This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. John chapter 4 verses 21 to 24. John chapter 4. For can we read it together? Jesus said unto her, whatever, okay, let's read the same translation. KJV. Jesus said unto her, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what, but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, John chapter 4. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can we read that together? God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let's be seated. Thank you, choir. God bless you, church. So pastor had opened this series um, on the spiritual man some three weeks ago with building on the scriptures. And, you know, he made us to realize that a spiritual man is one whose spirit has come alive. He's an enlightened man. And that once you become a believer, in that instance, you're not a mere man anymore because your spirit has been made alive. And how do we know this? We have it explicitly stated in the scriptures. We have um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, Ephesians 2, 1. Um, okay. It tells us in plain terms that we were dead in our trespasses, dead in sins, but God has made us alive unto him. And then Colossians tells us how that we that were in darkness, we were living a a life of dead works, but God has brought us into himself. He has blotted out every ordinance, handwriting that was written against us and contrary to us. And then he has made us okay and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Hallelujah. So you see, man, as we know, is a tripartite being. Before man became regenerated, in a way, he had no problems in quotes because his spirit was not alive unto God. So his flesh and his soul, you know, they were having a field day. You know, people did not experience so much distress when they gave in completely to the works of the flesh, pride of the life, um, all kinds of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. There was really not that much resistance. So, you know, it was like pastor likes to say, a partnership that works, but it was working onto perdition. Now, even though Romans chapter 2, 14 to 15 tells us that, you know, God has written his laws in our hearts. Now I'm talking about a natural man. That law that God has written in the heart of a natural man is not the same as a spirit that has been made alive because it is regenerated in Christ Jesus. It is more like God stretching out an extension, like an olive branch, like an exit plan, trying to tell the natural man that there is a way out of the life that you are living. There is something more than what you are experiencing. But because he's a natural man, and without hearing the message of the gospel, without finding out what exactly the plan is that God has for him, the natural man seeks to 
soothe this longing or this drawing, this pull in his spirit. Because no man can come to God except he pulls him. So God pulls man, but they interpret that pull in different ways. And then some people look for answers in philosophy. Some people look for answers in science. Some people try to numb that unrest and unease by addictions. Some people just develop nonchalance. And like First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 tells us that some people eventually just develop a seared conscience because through hypocrisy, Okay, no, that's not it. Yes, thank you. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. It means that they give heed, they pay so much attention to the falsities, to the things that they have decided within themselves, that this is the way out of what I'm feeling, that eventually they stop feeling that conscience. That conscience ceases to be alive inside of them. Hallelujah. Are we together this morning? Okay, so I'm going somewhere with all of this. So the Bible tells us that such were some of us, but we have been washed and we have been sanctified and we have been justified. So we are no more that kind of people. Do I have a witness this morning? Hallelujah. So now something else happens when we give our lives to Christ. Now our spirit man is made alive, but then the soul, the unregenerated soul that has not been transformed, it still has all that information inside of it because it has not been renewed by the by the washing of the word and we know that the word of god has within it the ability to transform you so your soul is thinking one way and then the body the flesh is dragging you this way now paul describes this explicitly in romans chapter 7 he said oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death now, when some people give their lives to Christ, they cannot seem to understand what is happening and the struggles that they are feeling. And they think that, look, before I gave my life to Christ, I didn't have all these kind of problems. And that's what I'm trying to address this morning. Are we together? Are we here this morning? Hallelujah. So, you know, the Psalms in Psalms 39, verse 1 to 4, yes, David also speaks about this kind of thing. He said, I said, I would not speak. I would hold silence, you know. And then he said, I eventually became depressed. That is when you try to resolve this matter of unrest on your own. You know, you might be thinking to yourself, why do I not hear God? And yet Psalms 19 says that the heavens, they declare the glory of the Lord. And the firmaments, they show his handiwork. It says, day after day, uttered speech, night unto night, showeth knowledge. It means that the knowledge of God is everywhere. So why can I not hear him? Why am I not at peace? What's going on inside of me? Why do I despise my own behavior? Hallelujah. But you see, this conflict is a good place to start. It is not a good place to remain. Because when they do not know and they do not understand, the Bible says that what? They die like mere men and they fall like one of the princes. Hallelujah. So Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil or rather overcome evil with good. So what does this mean? It means that there's a kind of wrestle. There's a kind of struggle. There's something happening. There, there is, um, there's just a pull. There's a tussle. But then thanks be to God who always, without fail, causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. If you are triumphant this morning, can you give the Lord praise? 
Hallelujah. So we'll go back to our opening scriptures. In our opening scriptures, Jesus tells the woman, you worship what you do not know. So herein lies the beginning of the answers to a lot of the questions. The truth is that you cannot worship in truth if you do not know God. You can fear him. You can follow his principles. You can be in awe of everything that he has done. You can be terrified. You know, you can just be amused. You can be amazed. But true worship cannot happen in the absence of accurate knowledge of God. Because what is worship? Worship is coming into a place of intimate fellowship. Worship is a kind of koinonia. Worship is, worship is that thing, that reason why God created man in the first place. It is, it, is, it is the atmosphere that was described in the Garden of Eden. You know, when the Bible says that God would come in the evening and fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. So if you do not know God, you cannot worship him. And that's why Jesus needed to ensure that his disciples knew who he was. He said, who do you say that I am? And I think we need to ask ourselves that question from time to time. I know we are all dressed up, poised and powdered and sitting nicely. But who do you say that God is? Why are you here this morning? Why do you worship God? Is God just a way out of your problems? Are you looking for a solution you just need to feel at peace or have you discovered that revelation of jesus as the son of god because without that revelation you're not really worshiping you can go through the motions you can look like a believer you can carry your bible you can shout all you want but it still makes no difference in terms of worship you need to know Jesus for who he is. And what did Peter say? Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. I know we say a lot of times doubting Thomas, the apostle. But you know, after the resurrection, when Thomas saw Jesus, when he put his hands through his nail-pierced hands, and he said, my Lord and my God. I don't know how many of us have gotten that revelation inside of us. Is Jesus your Lord? You know who a Lord is? A Lord is someone that you cannot say no to. Someone said, no Lord, <laughs> cannot happen in a sentence, in the true essence of what it is. Is he your Lord and your God? Is he your master and your king? Have your eyes seen the king? the lamb upon the throne. Have you seen Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you worship Jesus? Hallelujah. So the revelation of Jesus brings with it a light that shows us that Jesus, where Jesus becomes to us, not just the wisdom of God, but also the power of God. This is a wisdom that is different from the wisdom of this world. Because the wisdom of this world the Bible describes it as being earthly, sensual. But the wisdom that is from God, it is pure. It is peaceable. It is easily entreated. The wisdom of God is not scheming. 
The wisdom of God is not manipulation. The wisdom of God is the person of Christ. And when you absorb, when, when you have that person of Christ inside of you and that revelation hits you, you come to the place where you actually know Jesus for who he is. Praise the Lord. Now Paul got this revelation and he said that, look, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is the kind of thing that the hymn writer experienced. This is the revelation of Jesus that he had, that he said, to see thee more clearly. Do we know that hymn? To love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly, day by day. Just that line. To see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. Now, the reason I sang that is simple. Because you cannot see God more clearly than what you are seeing and not love him more dearly. You cannot love him more dearly and not follow him more nearly. You will not follow him from afar. You will not count any cost as being too much to pay to be in his presence. When you behold his beauty, when you behold his righteousness, when you behold all that he is, instead of it being something that scares you, it begins to become something that pulls you, something that draws you, because you see who you are and you see how far you are from him. And you say, God, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like you. I want to live a life that is just what you please. I want to look in the mirror of your word and see that person that you made me and I want to walk in the reality of who I see Jesus begins to be real to you more real than the person that is sitting beside you you know I have a friend that sometimes he says you know God is watching you I say God is watching over me you know, when you say watching, you have that thing that he's, he's looking to, you know, maybe hook me somewhere to deal with me. But I know him in whom I have believed. I know that he loves me. And I know that because I am understanding, coming into a place of understanding the revelation of his love for me, I know that he loves me too. And I love him too. Hallelujah. So something happens when the light of God hits you. It happens inside your spirit. We've been reading a lot, Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light is come. Now when that light comes to you like it came to the Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus, it knocks you off your high horse. Your high horse of pseudo-Christianity, your high horse of pretense, your high horse of unforgiveness, your high horse of bitterness, your high horse of anything and everything that is not of the Christ. That light hits you and then it blinds you and then you have a, the right revelation. When that light hits you, you become like Paul, a one thin person. Only one thing matters to you. If we look at Philippians chapter 3, we see Paul when he wrote his um, CV. He said, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am, you know, concerning the law. He said, flawless, zealous. As concerning the, the law, persecuting Christians. This CV itself is exhaustive. But you know what Paul said? He said, I count it all but dung. 
He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So why is it so important that we know Jesus? Why is it so important that we allow the Holy Spirit to re remove that veil from our eyes, to see him as he is? Because it is when we see him, that is when we find ourselves. That is when you know who you really are, as it is written about you in the volume of God's book for you. That is the true spiritual man created in Christ Jesus to do good works, as it has been written about you before the foundations of the earth. Hallelujah. When you find that place, who you are in Christ Jesus, you are able to run with patience the race that is set before you. Before you. So we've all been called to this race. But in front of each and every one of us, there's a track. But sometimes you can get so carried away. Instead of running the race that is set, I don't know how many of us have watched track and field events or at least maybe in secondary school, you participated in house sports. You have to stay in your lane, like Mama emphasizes. So something happens when you get distracted and you enter into another person's lane. At the end of the day, both of you do not perform optimally because you're bothering him. And because of your bother, he cannot concentrate and run the race that is set before him. And then in your own track, guess what? That track is empty. So the impact you're supposed to make, if you do not even make it, because you are bothered. You're bothered about somebody else. You're bothered about what God has called him to do. You're bothered that somebody is more blessed. You're bothered that somebody is, you know, whatever it is or whatever kind of weird idea that devil dis decides to you know distract you with and you're looking at all the charitable endowments you think is on that track but who told you that you were naked who told you who told you that you were naked you're not there's a lot that god has placed on the inside of you have you taken a hold of the reason for which god has taken a hold of you Paul said that I might take hold of that for which Christ took a hold of me. It means that when you were lost in your sin, when you were strolling, wandering in darkness away, Jesus said, come. And when he said, come, there was a reason for which he took a hold of you. Have you discovered that reason? Or are you bothering yourself like Peter was asking Jesus? He said, eh, Jesus, this one, what will he do? And what did Jesus say? Eh -huh. What will he do? you follow me hallelujah are you following jesus have you forgotten that really all things are yours or you're very very distracted first corinthians chapter 3 21 to 22 tells us about this that look all things are yours all things are yours christ has called us into his banquet table and his banner over us is love i remember a few birthdays ago i had um someone graciously treated my family you know to a buffet and when we got there i learned a very vital lesson so uh, the place was the ambience was top-notch and all of that and the children were getting all distracted now our youngest child could not seem to make up his mind and could not seem to um believe me when i said that 
olives do not taste as nice as they look, you know. So he decided he wanted this and that. So I said, okay, you know what? We're going to have a little bit of each. And um, he got to the table and he found out he couldn't even eat <laughs> half of what was on his plate. And then he decided that his sister's plate would be his own buffet table where he would start picking his food from and then the holy spirit just told me that do you know that a lot of times we forget that all of us have been invited to the banquet table and then instead of looking up to jesus the author and the finisher of your faith you start looking at other people's plates and you forget that that plate came from a table and you have equal access to that table and you can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace to help obtain mercy in your time of need and you start thinking god this life no balance But it is your understanding that is lopsided because you have been called to his banquet table and his banner over you is love. If there's anything that is not in your plate, you need to trust your father. It's not good for you. It's not what you need. It is not what you need. You know, maybe his, his sisters could eat those hot spices because they had matured a bit and they could handle it. Trust Jesus. Trust him. Trust that he loves you. Trust that you have been washed. Trust that you have been sanctified. Trust that when he says you've been justified, you have been justified. Hallelujah. You need to trust God to that place that his love for you is without questions. It sits in your heart. You know, just as there are markers for physical health, they are markers for spiritual health. And Paul said, I will show you a better way. Um, while I say this, can we have 1 Corinthians 13? I'll be reading verses 1 to 8, media, if you could help us. Now, um, when, when I was so, so sick and had to run a lot of tests on a frequent basis, there were a lot of results I didn't understand, but there was one thing I always looked out for. I'll just, there's always something there that says normal range, and then you see whatever the results said. So I just look, okay, ah, I will, so, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then I find, okay, yes, I am within normal range. So we're going to do some clacking this morning, and you're going to check if you're functioning properly, if you're within normal range, or if you have been malfunctioning. And it is in the way that Paul has said, and that is the way of love. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity I am nothing and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity profited me nothing the next verse before we go on here I'll just say that is that is the absence of the revelation of Jesus it's saying that you can be religious but you're not worshiping you can go out and give alms, but you are not worshipping if you do not have a revelation of who Jesus is. Hallelujah. No, the next verse. So this is it. Do I suffer long? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I full of envy? 
Am I always trying to put myself out there? Am I puffed up inside of me? Verse 5. Do I behave myself unseemingly? Am I always seeking my own, even when it looks like I'm seeking for the good of others? At the end of the day, it's all about what's in it for me. Am I easily provoked? Am I irritable? Am I, am I just getting angry? Like, what's that? Am I always thinking evil? Do I just see people and I just, I'm not feeling them. And in fact, I'm even thinking, I wish I should just walk in now, she just trip and fall. Am I thinking evil? I mean, worse things than that, but we're in church. Do I behave rudely? Am I always seeking my own? No, 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 you're going back. What? Forward, please. Um, okay. Do I rejoice in iniquity or do I rejoice in the truth? You know, are you thinking, you know, someone says something, you just heard something not too good about somebody like, ah, eh, eh, I've been there wonder, you know, how come everything is just working? You know, everybody has to have comma somehow. Is that really what's on your heart? Or do you carry that burden to God in prayer? Okay, verse 7. Verse 7. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then verse 8 goes on to say that love never fails. Where, where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love never fails. That is the high way that God is calling us into. Now, in this place of love, a lot of things can happen that are not possible outside the realm of God's love. And I had a very practicable and valid example well I think I did on Friday and um, what happened was my husband and I were trying to complete a transaction that was time bound now this trans transaction timed out at 4.30 on a work day so somehow we were really trying to make it happen and it didn't happen so when it was 5.30 we were just like oh well but my husband right now he's not in Nigeria he's in Canada so wait a minute, it's not yet 4.30 where you are. I'm like, oh my God, that's true, we have like three hours. You understand? So we're on the same earth, it's the same transaction, it's the same company, but we're standing in different places. And he made it happen from where he was. There are a lot of things that you can make happen if you are standing in the right place. If you are standing in the place of love, if you are in Christ Jesus, it might not happen for other people, but it will happen for you. And people are like, how did it happen? No, but I mean, it's over. It's past. It's not possible. It depends. It depends on where you're standing. <laughs> it depends from where I stand, from where I stand. It is possible. It is possible. You know, there, there was a popular trend um, in the 80s, 90s, you know, where people would put up posters of... Um, um, people they admired for something they had done or maybe celebrities and then we also had this thing on um, calendars almanacs and it was just there you go to the dining it's there you, every day ever before your eyes that's how Jesus wants to be he wants to be ever before your eyes he wants to be in front of you that's why the, you know when that, that there's a song that I love so much I don't know how many of us know it to keep your lovely face to keep your lovely face ever before my eyes this is my prayer lord 
Please make it my one desire that in my secret heart no other love competes, no idol throne survives as I serve only Oh, how wonderful, how marvelous this my son shall ever be. Oh, how glorious and how beautiful is my Savior's love for me. How wonderful, how marvelous this my song shall ever be. Oh, how wonderful and how marvelous is my Savior's love for me. Hallelujah. So you might ask yourself, how, how can this thing be? I mean, when I did my checkup with 1 Corinthians 13, I found out I'm having fever <laughs> because I was so far from the checklist. How can I forgive so easily? Like Pastor Shola just brushes things aside. It doesn't seem to count anymore. Like the Apostle Paul bound in chains in the dungeon and he said he's rejoicing with joy exceeding full of glory and he's telling us to rejoice. How can these things be? It is Christ Jesus in you the hope of glory rise on your feet just rise on our feet hallelujah i want us to just right where you are talk to jesus in any place you know that you are falling short of the mark in any place you know that god i know you are calling me up to higher but i haven't i've not been trying I surrender to you, I surrender to your love, I surrender to your leading, I surrender to your spirit. I want to be at that place where all my actions and inactions are because of your love. Where the love of God is what compels me and the love of God is what constrains me. I want to walk in the reality of being a child of the great I am. Lord Jesus, because more love, more power it is an equal equation power comes from love it comes from love of the father and for the father and from the father and if your heart has been resistant to love and you're just like all this love thing i don't know because i've been so bruised and both broken and battered i want you to open your heart and receive receive healing this morning receive healing receive healing receive healing flowing from the throne of God's grace 
receive healing let your heart be restored let your spirit man arise let your strength be renewed in the name of the lord jesus let every resistance to the love of god be broken in your heart in the name of the lord jesus let the holy spirit have full sway let it father have your way have your way in the lives of every person in the service this morning thank you for healing thank you for deliverance thank you for setting the captive free thank you father lord jesus for the fountain of your love flowing from your throne of grace oh lord we receive your love this morning we receive your peace we receive your presence we receive your power we receive your grace thank you father in jesus name we have given thanks in jesus name we have given thanks can we give the lord praise thank you for being a part of our broadcast you know we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make jesus christ the lord of your life Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And from today, I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.